Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Misaligned. We have Jamie Coletta on, and this guest episode is a little different than our previous ones because Megan is also joining me today. Hello there. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So why don't you just quickly tell everyone what your current job is? I know we're going to sort of go back and go through your history, but what is your job title at this very moment? Um, so my official job title is Director of Marketing at Saigon Dummy Records. Um, and that kind of just entails everything from PR to advertising and social media, radio, literally anything that has to do with like hype is me and that's my responsibility so awesome and I think I can speak for both Megan and myself when I say we pretty much only know you from side one dummy I have no clue what you did before that (laughs) so Megan are you with me on this and you sort of want to know what Jamie was doing before side one dummy oh totally like how does one jump in to side one dummy from anything you've previously done um, well, so but right before I worked at Sideline, um, I was at, I was in the PR department at RCA Records, which is a part of Sony, and I had been there for about four years before. Um, so before I worked at Sony, I was in college. <laughs> so that's kind of my story is just like, um, I worked for Sony for four years. It was never like, I never really wanted to work in pop. But it was just the door that opened first, and so I just went in. And after a couple of years of that, I I started to sort of hate it, and I just wanted to work. Like, my whole goal the whole time was just to work with bands, and so I wasn't really getting that there. And so what I did was I just, like, took all the knowledge I could from them and, like, from working with big pop stars and... Now I get to apply that to side one, which is cool. Um, but asking how I got to side one exactly, um, I didn't have a job for a while in between the two. And somebody, a publicist that I had met while working at Sony, hit me up. And he was like, hey, he knew like what I was like and what my, my personal taste was like. And he was like, side one's looking to hire an actual publicist like in-house. And so I went for it. And that was that. <laughs> that was all it took. And I've been there. I've been inside one now for almost, I want to say, five and a half years. I can't remember, but quite a while. So Long enough for you to forget how long it's been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think it's five, but it could be five and a half at this point. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting that you mention wanting to be more hands-on with bands because at my job at Music Reports, I had that for the majority of 2015. I was doing data entry, so I, you know, didn't interact with really the music industry at all, funny enough, because I was just, you know, like, okay, this this person gets, you know, 30% of the royalties for this song, this publisher has this percentage, and like you, I've been looking for something that's more hands-on, and I'm in that situation you were in where you didn't have a job for a while I think you know mine's been much longer than I was wanting it to be which (laughs) you know Megan has heard plenty of as have the listeners so we will not (laughs) get into detail on that but that's how my unemployment worked too was I left Sony in sort of a weird way and afterwards I was unemployed I thought maybe it would be a couple months but um Despite going on, I felt like I went on like 50 job interviews in the span of like six months because I just went for anything at that point and nothing worked out. 
And it was actually, I was like, got the interview for side one. And I was so nervous because at that point I had been unemployed for like almost seven months, eight months. And I had gone on so many interviews that didn't work. And so I'm nervous. I remember walking up the, the street to get to the building thinking like, holy shit, like I have, I must have bombed all of these interviews before. Like, what's to say I'm not going to bomb this one? I was like super insecure. And like, right as I got to the building, I don't know, like something just came over me and I just was like, you know what, just go be yourself. If they don't like it, it's not meant to be like, just go be, just don't change. Like, don't try to act cool or professional. Just go be myself. And that was the one that ended up working. So hang in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, see, you were at seven months. I'm at much longer than that at this point. But, you know, I I try to pick up things here and there to at least pay for, you know, insurance, (laughs) the important things like that. But why don't we go ahead and dive into your work at Side One Dummy then? You mentioned interviewing for the job of publicist. How long were you Mm -hmm. in that position? Because I know the director of marketing title is somewhat recent, if I'm remembering correctly, when your, you know, when your email signature changed there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, I did. The the director of marketing title came towards like the end of around basically a year ago, almost from now, um, last year. And it was basically the result of uh, some, a position being vacant in like more marketing related stuff and like advertising and stuff. And I just thought like, there's not that many of us at the company. And at that time it was like, it's such a natural, it was such a natural extension of what I was already doing that it just made sense to just let me try to do all of it and let me try to like, at least oversee all the marketing that goes on. And so I actually still do all the PR. That's still all me. Um, All of that stuff is just all me, but it's to the point where like, I can actually have a say in like, the messaging we have in advertising and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Um, but when I started, I was just doing the PR and I did that for, I guess like three and a half years or so until I started picking up social media. And then I was doing all the PR and all the social media. And then that naturally just folded into me doing all of the marketing as a whole. And, um, it's been really cool because those dudes, like my bosses, like they just trust me and they, they believe in me and they support me and they support me just like learning and changing over the years. So I'm really grateful because I've been able to go from like five years ago, just being a publicist to now being able to sort of guide the direction of every campaign, which is really fun. So, yeah, that's awesome to have that sort of growth within a company that, maybe some people wouldn't think there's really that sort of chance for growth because it's so small. Yeah, we're two owners and then four other people. That's it. So it's like the, and as long as I've been there, there's never been more than 10 people that work there. And it's just like always been really small staffed and really DIY in nature that like, if something's not getting done, but you think you can do it, just pick it up and do it and get it done. And it doesn't matter. Like it's just very much hands-on of like, everyone does more than just their job title describes because it's it's a labor of love. So if you're good at something or if you have a contact somewhere or you have an idea, like it's, that's kind of what's dope about my bosses and my team is that like, there's been many times over the years that I'll just have an idea and they'll, or, or I want to take on this other responsibility. And because I have the passion for it, they trust me and then we do it and then it works. And so it's just like, anybody there can do the same thing. It's very like, it's a very rare workplace that I often say, like, if for some reason, someday this went away, I would never be able to work in a normal environment again, because they're so supportive. It's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we've previously 
talked about this quite a bit on the podcast. We really set out to discuss, you know, what's going on in the industry and everything. And I know, Megan, you have some specific questions that you want to discuss sort of in that aspect. I do. What you've been describing with your uh, work environment and everything, it sounds like you're kind of one of those gems in the rough in the music industry where we've heard so many horror stories about what it's like being a lady working with something that's so predominantly male. So with that, what are your thoughts on the industry still kind of being super dominated by dudes? Um, well, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> But um, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts, too many that will not be on this podcast. Um, but for the most part, and I've, I've said this before, I've put this on the internet and I'll say this, we'll space this, their time is running out, <laughs> like for sure. These dudes are the, the dudes in charge that are all the way at the top. All of them are the same exact person to me in my mind. And they're they're getting older every day and they're getting more and more out of touch every day. So it's just like, I always say this to my fellow, like whether it's another woman in music or a female identifying woman in music or anyone that's of a minority trying to do this and trying to make a living just working for the thing, the music and the things you care about. It's just like, just be patient because they're on their way out. So that's my first thought of like, I, I think that ref, like knowing that and having that be my mentality has helped me not get bogged down by it. Because if I did, if I let myself feel the emotion and the weight of all the injustices I see just in the music business, not, and and honestly, just in our little pocket of the music business, not even the music business as a whole. If I let that get to me, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Like I guarantee you, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would have, I'd be doing another job. I wouldn't be able to handle it. So I think I look at it as like, instead of letting it do that to me and letting it consume me, I instead let it fuel me and I let it kind of push me to do better and to stand out. And like every day I have some dude try to tell me how to do what I'm doing or try to remind me what to do. Like, I don't know. And it's like, I've got close to eight. What do I have? Almost 10 years of experience at this point. I got it. But every day I face shit like that. If I let every day, if I let that stop me, I wouldn't be anywhere. So I think that that's my like overall opinion on it is like it, to any injustice in the music business or anybody who's feeling like marginalized or just like pushed aside for all these dudes, just hang in there and let that fuel you to do better. Because at the end of the day, like, like their time is running out. We are getting women and, and minorities are getting so much more loud and powerful that like, if you just focus on improving yourself and like letting the negativity of this shit, like kind of turn that into a positive, I know I sound like Pitbull right now, but it's just like, it's true. It's like negative and make it the positive for you. Let the idiot who thinks he knows better than me, I'll just let him slide, let, let it go and use it to push me further to stand out even more. And to, that's my literal, I've done that for years. It's, I learned something like that in a way from my mom who like kind of did the same thing and just burst it through a glass ceiling in her industry. And like, has never let that stuff get to her because if she did, it would stop all of us all together. So I think that that's like, it's everywhere and it's going to be everywhere, but know that it's running, the time is running out. And if all of us can collectively just 
use the negative of what it what it's like every day and try to let it fuel us you know hopefully in the future it'll be a better situation for everybody that's kind of my take on it i think there's obviously exceptions you know where there's like actual evil people who deserve to be like called out and and castrated but um there's you know as a whole that's kind of my opinion on it is like it sucks but i can't i don't choose to let it stop me i let it instead kind of fuel me to keep going and keep growing yeah and real quick i think jamie you'll get a kick out of this story i remember i was sort of searching around for some freelance PR clients and everything. And I made the mistake of posting in the Defend Pop Punk group on Facebook. And the first comment was this guy responding. It was something to the effect of, why don't you try writing for free? I was like, that's not even what I'm asking. (laughs) Not even a thing. Yeah, like, yeah, go away. Nobody asked Yeah, you. I was like, okay, <laughs> clearly you don't understand what PR is because I Oy. write for tons of sites for free. And Megan, I don't know if I told you that story before, but I remember you when haven't. it happened. It was just one of those things I had to laugh <laughs> off. And I sort of haven't really posted in the Defend Pop Punk group since because I was like, okay, I cannot handle like that level of idiocy. Yeah. Honestly, that makes me glad I'm not a member of that group because all I've heard about it is just awful, volatile things. And, ugh. Yeah. I'm out here defending pop punk in real life. I don't have to be in a group on Facebook. I'm doing it every day. You know, like, like that's crazy. It's so funny. I love yeah, I that. think maybe James Cassar had added me or something a while back, or maybe Zach had when we were living <laughs> together. I don't even know how I ended up in that group. I was like, oh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people in here are in bands. Let me just check in there see if anyone needs any help yeah. with anything because i'm charging like next to nothing oh yeah your intent yeah and i was just like yeah, all right screw you guys i don't want to i don't want to deal with you now yeah i mean i feel like it's kind of the thing where like if you look for it you're gonna find shit like that all over the place whether it's like sexism or racism or or just people being assholes like you're gonna find them if you're looking for it they will be there i guarantee you they'll be there they're in my email inbox right now they're probably a minute away down the street from here. Like I can access idiots as, if I'm looking for it. But instead, I just choose to kind of have my outlook be a little bit different. And I try to look at the optimist side of it of like, well, they're not going to change and I'm not going to be the one to change them. But I can change me. And then in hopes, if I change me and I change my focus, people can kind of look to me for inspiration and learn from me and do the same thing. So I hope that gets across. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that sort of actually leads into the next topic I know Megan wanted to bring up too. Yeah. What you're talking about is a perfect segue into this, but what steps can we collectively take as just everyone or anyone to improve what's going on in the industry and maybe become a little friendlier or even say less abrasive? to people who want to do this and are excited about it but keep getting shot down well it's tough because like i said you can't change other people right so there's still going to be all those people out there who are short and who don't have time for you and don't care and are rude and think they're better than you those people aren't going anywhere and you can't change them but i guess the thought of like i'm trying to think of like if you're, if you're a young girl or you're just somebody who's trying to break in and do this for a living, it's like you can't, you could, you definitely have to have a thick skin, you know, like 
because like I said, those people aren't going anywhere and you can't change them. So you're going to have to be able to deal with it because it's just, they're not going to go anywhere. If somebody is doing something illegal or harassing or something of that nature, where it's a much more serious situation, you absolutely, we all, it's all of our responsibility to make sure that gets known. And that like, I don't mean call out culture. I mean, more like if something's going down, you need to speak to somebody about it, somebody trusted or somebody who can help in the situation. But as a whole, you know, enter in with a thick skin, a preparedness to deal with some straight up bullshit, you know, but at the same time, the mentality that you can rise above all of it if you just stay focused. And, and I think in terms of specific steps you can take, like, if you think the person, if you like, you know, somebody in the industry that you admire, and you think they seem unattainable, just try to reach out. If they are short with you, and they don't want to talk to you, that's not on you. That's on them. So you just move on, you know. And so I think that, you know, I could name so many people off the top of my head that would be honored if an intern or a student or just anyone who's interested in working in music, I can think of so many people who would be honored to have that happen to them or somebody reaches out. I just wonder if, you know, people sometimes don't know how to reach out or don't have the, you know, don't feel like they're, they should. I would always say do it and um, just ask questions and like reach out to people and try to get a grasp on like how they got their start. People love talking about themselves. So um <laughs> It's always it's always a nice thing for somebody to reach out and be like, hey, I really admire what you've done. You know, I have a few questions on how I can do something the same. Like, would you be down to talk? Like, I've literally never said no to something like that before. And I know a lot of people that are not as loud as I am, but that would also really like those opportunities to talk to younger people or talk to people who are interested in working in music because because there's so much rampant EDC around the industry, we're all eager to find young people or new people to come in the mix that want to do it the right way. We're all so eager to find those people that I think it's kind of an open door right now to like, if you want to do this and you have the right heart for it, just reach out to anybody and see how to get your start because we need more people like that. We need more like kind hearted, like good intention people who also know how to get shit done. Um, I don't know how I, if I answer that as a, a question or like if I answered that the right way, but that's just kind of my like misjambled kind of reaction to the, the question, I guess. I mean, in a way, you also kind of go into what I wanted to ask you next, which works perfectly. Like you are great with this. It's almost like I got notes beforehand or something. It's weird. I know. Or like so we're just crazy all on the same how that page works. here. But with that... The notes didn't give that much away, listeners. Heads up. <laughs> this is just free. This is just happening. But besides having a thick skin, how do you manage to stay sane in an industry like this? Um, great question. Um, I think there's been many times of my loving, loving husband can attest to where I have lost my grip on reality and I have not been sane. Um, it's so hard. It's an everyday thing. You have to like, I, I, there's no, no, I don't have a magic answer for that because it's still hard for me. You know, like there's some days where I'm falling apart. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. Then I've got people being awful and assholes and ignorant. And like, I'm just facing things every, all the time that like, sometimes, it, you know, you're a human being. I'm a human being. I can forget or I can like get wrapped up in that and really have a bad day or a bad week, you know? And like, so it's just, it depends. But I would say like my only recommendations are like, 
practice an unbelievable as much as you possibly can amount of self-care and whatever that means to you is what it means you know like for me it's you know hanging out my dog smoking a little weed like drinking coffee like making like washing my hair it's like stupid shit but it's like the things that make me feel good inside and that make me feel good inside and out those are important to me to make sure like once a week I do my nails like it just it's like everybody's got a different thing that makes them feel good and if you can identify those things and like maybe even just keep a journal or something so you know like hey today I did this and it made me feel great or hey today I didn't do that thing and all this shit happened at work and I'm stressed out like you can sort of identify what those things are that you need to keep doing for yourself so that you can stay sane and you can go to bed at night like I I recently just started uh, cutting off my email time uh, when I'm home. So in the morning, I used to check my email before I got out of bed and I would answer emails, read emails, like actually start working, laying in bed. And then I'd get up and get ready and go to work. And the same would happen when I got home. I would get home from work and I would jump right into my emails again and I'd work for another couple hours. And then by the time, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock hits, I'm just coming out of my working mode, you know, um, and it made for just, it was just not good for anyone. It wasn't good for my social life. It wasn't good for my mental state. It was just not good. And re- so recently I started cutting myself off and like after around 6 PM emails are done, they're just done. And if there's an emergency in the punk rock universe, somebody can call me, you know, like, so I think there's a lot of things you have to do to kind of take care of yourself when you're dealing with all this stuff. And it sounds like it's a lot, but it, it's worth it if you care, you know, and if, if you love what you do, it's definitely worth it to find your path to sanity, I guess. That all makes perfect sense. Like, I try to practice some of that with everything that gets thrown at me. And my poor boyfriend, he's just like, please take a break. You're going to drive yourself crazy if you keep dealing with all of this. Just maybe you should uh, unplug for a while unplugging is a true a true art form (laughs) and I like (laughs) I never really did it before I mean I just recently went on a vacation where I was gone for two weeks and I just I deleted the mail app on my phone I didn't even have the app and so like I really unplugged for the it was my first time since I started at side one and it was to the point where I was so nervous before I left I emailed all of our bands like four or five times being like just a reminder three more days until I'm gone for two weeks like and everybody was laughing at me, like being like, I've never known anyone to be so nervous about turning their phone off for two weeks. And like, it was just, it, but then once I did it, it was just this light bulb opened up where I was like, what was I thinking? This is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Having a couple of, even if it's just a day where you just on a Sunday, you don't look like, enjoy that because you need to, like, you really need that stuff. It's, this is, we're not dealing with, you know some crazy like urgent stuff here you know this is bands and their records it can everything can chill and it can wait um so that's yeah unplugging is a great a great thing yeah definitely and I sort of try to do that on the weekends where you know I feel like I really should not be getting that many press releases about stuff but then I'll see something on a Sunday and I'm just like what are you doing why are you sending me this on a Sunday like no one's going to care until Monday (laughs) That's ridiculous. That's, that should not happen. Yeah, that should not. Whoever's sending those, you could probably do the world a favor by replying and telling them what's going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> like one of these times, just replying like, hey, 
not really trying to burst your bubble here, but like, you know, it's Sunday, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's so funny. Like I do that with uh, bands who submit demos to side one. I get all of the demo submissions sent to me and like, I listen to everything. I shit you not. And like, but there's sometimes where I'll get an email that's just like it. Sometimes I've had bands act like, you know, they're, they're copy and pasting their submission. So it'll be like, dear run for cover record. And I'll be like, what the fuck? And so I always reply to stuff like that. And I call, I just say like in a very like loving, it's coming from a good place where I'm just like, Hey, did you know that you put run for cover and this is title one? Like heads up for the next email you send, make sure it doesn't say another label's name and thing. Like I'll always just call people out and just be like in a nice way, just be like, Hey, just for next time. Like, then you won't annoy people as much. So maybe you should take that and do it for your Sunday press releases. Yeah. And I know how a band like that feels because when I was interning at Fearless, I accidentally did that. My boss had me like sending 200 emails one day and then I was like going down the list Uh alphabetically. And I guess I read like Michael Uh so-and-so two times in a row, but I might've sent like, hi, Michael, three times. And I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) And then I had to like, I've like hurried up and like (laughs) sent a new email and hoping they wouldn't see that one. And uh, yeah, I definitely have had my email blunders at Fearless before. But that actually kind of Uh leads me into something else I wanted to ask you about. And obviously, I know Side One Dummy takes on interns, as I think most labels do. But when someone has you know, three, four internships under their belt, and they've had a real, basically, I'm talking about myself right now, in case that's not clear. You know, (laughs) I had done four internships, I did one in high school and three in college. And then I had that job at Music Reports for a year. And, you know, during this unemployment and job applying process that I've been going through lately, I'll have people, you know, reply to me asking if I want to do an internship. And I'm like, no, not not really. I need like actual money. And, you know, I sort of reply and explain my situation a little more. But what do you think about the, you know, culture that's coming up more and more in the music industry where people just want a lot of interns and don't necessarily want to hire people or they're only hiring people if you intern for them first um I think that's super whack I don't know I feel like it's tough because it's like at for example like side one we're so small that like we're never hiring for the most part like it's just not a thing but we still take interns sometimes and I try to like be pretty transparent off, off the top and just be like hey there's no jobs here like you'll figure that out once you've been here interning for a while but there's nothing here but if you do a great job and you leave a really good impression on us, we're going to tell people about you. We're going to try to find you something if something comes up. Um, so that's like, we definitely take interns, but I try to make that really explicit in the beginning. Right. I don't, if there are companies that are literally just ganging up on interns so that they don't have to spend money on somebody, that's straight up whack. Like what, in, like, what's the point? Like, I don't know. I feel like it's just cheap and it's not cool because how is somebody like you ever going to get off the ground? Like it's the same story of like entry level jobs saying that you need three to four years of experience yes, to get the that drives me crazy. Like, what does entry level mean? Like, I don't even understand how that works. And like, I remember being in those positions where it was just like, how the hell do you expect me to get a job with experience? If like, I can't get a job. Like if all I have <laughs> right. is 
So it's just like, it's this cycle of like just stupidity that I feel like is, at least from what I can see, it's rampant in entertainment. So you're not alone. Like that's definitely something. And it's also not new. That's been happening forever. And I think it's just lame. And, but hopefully that the, the day will come where you apply to the right place that, or you reach out to the right person or you leave the right impression on somebody and it leads to something that you could have never predicted. Cause that's kind of my whole thing is like every single internship and job I've gotten was never, I've actually never, the only job I ever applied to was side one. And by applying to it, I just emailed my resume to the person my friend told me to, but everything else came from it. I met people who suggested me for something else and put me in touch with somebody else. So it's just like, hopefully at some point, It'll be tough to know when it's going to happen, but hopefully that'll pan out for you where the right thing will happen and you won't have to worry about, you know, people being weird about just hiring you for an internship or anything. They'll be wanting to work with you because, you know, you've either left a mark on them or somebody else. Um, but that's whack. That's my professional <laughs> opinion. <laughs> yeah. And I've literally just like started cold emailing places and sort of putting out feelers, yeah. like letting a bunch of, you know, PR places know, like, you know, because, you know, you and other PR places are emailing me, you know, Monday through Friday. So I'm like, all right, let me put some yeah. feelers out. I already talked to these people on a somewhat regular basis. And right. Megan, have you found I know you're looking for something more in journalism, but have you found those same sort of things coming up where it's like entry level is three to five years experience and that stuff? Oh, yes. Please don't. Don't even get me started on the struggle that is the so-called entry-level job that's basically a unicorn, where especially I'm finding in social media and journalism, it's you have to be a good like office secretary and have managed things for years, all while doing the daily, let's put out social media blasts, let's try to get stats, etc. And I'm just like... What person can actually do all of this? Do I need to grow a magical like horn of some sort and just start <laughs> spitting out glitter? Experience that they're like, you would think that an internship would count, but it's almost like the only true entry level job you can get is to be an assistant because that's the only job I've ever known that you can come in with almost with just internship experience basically and get your foot in the door and then be able to move into an entry level job from there. It's just like, it's so stupid that it's called that. It's so stupid that it's like marketed to college students and younger, like people younger in the industry. It's like, it's not the case. Like you're not going to just walk into an entry level coordinator job. It's just not going to happen. Coordinator is like two levels up, man. You got to work for that. <laughs> like, but it's just, that's not stuff that is told to people when they're trying to get their foot in the door or when they're interning. So people, you know, like when you're going to go for these jobs, you have no idea you're applying for jobs that you're pretty much not able to do because they're looking for somebody who's been an assistant for four years. You know, it's just stupid. It's all dumb. Yeah, definitely. So I am very glad we are all on the same page with this entry level nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> and, Ugh. you know, obviously, Jamie, one thing that people always notice with your work are the subject lines of your emails. So I feel like it would be remiss of us to not bring that up. Was that something you started right away as a publicist? Or was it something that sort of just grew with you as you became more and more experienced? And you know, you already had sort of these connections that would realize, okay, hey, you know, she does this because it's entertaining. She's not, you know, doing this to send us something that we totally are not going to like and she just wants us to open the email. Well, first off, thank you very much. 
Um, I'm very proud of my subject lines being something that people know me for. <laughs> it was not something I had always done. Uh, when I first started in PR, I was like working under another publicist. And so I was basically emulating his style. And I like didn't really have my own style yet until I got to side one. And all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, I don't have anyone to answer to. Like, this is just my shit. So I was like, I got to craft my own style. And I don't remember when I first started doing the subject line stuff. I can't, I, I couldn't tell you, but at some point I just gave it a shot with like, I couldn't, I don't even remember what the first one was, but it was just like, I just tried to be different. And I was like, you know what? If I think my, my coworker told me this once, like the people are going to, get it and think the subject line's funny or entertaining those are probably people who are going to be responsive to what i'm sending them anyway the people who don't get it and who write me off as being like inexperienced or stupid or whatever their people are want to think about that they're probably not going to like what i'm sending them anyway so it's just like it was one of those things where i was like oh my god there's no pressure in this at all i could just be myself and be be wacky and be stupid and be funny and like try to lighten this up a little bit and it could probably work. And it definitely, I think it, it started with me wanting to get my open rate up higher on MailChimp. Right. And it, <laughs> it worked. And that once that happened and it worked and I was able to have a more consistent open rate at that point, I was like, okay, now what? And then it was just really about like owning my own style and like creating my own style of doing this job that so many people do, but everyone does it the same way. So it's like, I got to, break through the noise a little bit and so it just became sort of like between my you know subject lines to the actual content of my press releases to the way I talk to the way I pitch everything has become like it's just me you're really just getting me at its purest form because I just I could care less and that's like how I've been able to make it this far I think and it's funny because I actually ended I, I have more way more context and like way more people I know now in more influential places after I started doing those kinds of subject lines. I started to get respect from people who didn't have the time and day for me beforehand. So there's something to being honest and to just being your genuine self in everything. And especially in a job like this, where there's so many people fighting for the same exact stuff, at least try to stand out and be, you know, be your own, be, be your own person and like do things your way. Cause I think that people can sense that in, in emails, they can sense that on Twitter, they can just sense that where like, oh, you're just a genuinely passionate person. And, you know, the subject line is funny, you know, and like, it just ended up working out. I don't know. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, definitely. And I know for myself anyway, it's one of those things where because either I have friends who do PR like Emily Hakes and some other people all sort of, you know, open their Emily emails. Emily was my intern, but- yeah, yeah. She came out here <laughs> and I know she was interning with you. And then when she started doing, you know, the lame stuff over at Brixton and everything, I was like really paying attention to everything she was doing. And obviously going to school with her helped with that because I was sort of there mm-hmm. to see like the whole modern baseball thing explode with lame yeah. and everything like that. But, you know, I'm pretty sure I just emailed you one day and asked to be on your press list. And then it's like your emails quickly were like at the top of the list. It's like I get excited every time I see an email from you. And Uh I feel like it's really important for publicists to do that because, you know, I get emails from other publicists who, one, they don't use something like MailChimp or, 
Mad Mimi or whatever and you can't unsubscribe without literally like emailing them directly and telling them to take you off their list, which I don't like doing. <laughs> I would just rather yeah. have the unsubscribe button. I think that's more comfortable for everyone. And then I had someone email me somewhat recently asking like what they could do to get me to post about their music more. And I was kind of just like, okay, I sort of just do this for fun, really. And it's just me at the site because a lot of people yeah. will think I have like this whole staff at the website too. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right. I make no money off of this. It's just me. And like, you know, maybe once in a while people will post something when they're looking for a place to post it, you know, like friends and right. whatnot. And then Megan kindly edits my reviews and everything for me. But it's really <laughs> like a one person thing here. And I have to explain that to quite a few people. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I get quite a few emails for not getting paid to do this. So if you are just going to like keep bombarding me with stuff mm -hmm. and then ask me why I'm not posting it, it's like that's not going to help me yeah. post it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that it sounds like it, it would be helpful to people on your end of it, too, if people were just more human <laughs> and approached all this stuff with a little bit more of a genuine approach instead of it being so like everybody just wants like it, it's just sort of like you know people want to be they whether it's a publicist or a band like they just want to get everywhere and they don't have the time they don't take the time to stop and like talk to somebody and get to know them or have like one interaction with them so that when they do have something worthy of being posted, they can ask you and you can be like, oh, of course, or not even, maybe you already posted. You're like, oh yeah, they're great. I'll help them out. You know, it's just, it's funny how everybody could use a little bit more of that on all ends of this. Yeah, definitely. And I really do try to email people back and be like, you know, hey, this isn't quite my thing because, you know, I'll get quite a few emails for like metalcore bands or metal bands and I'm like oh that's so like not my thing like I do not touch those <laughs> genres at all and then you know I will have some people who email and ask me what genres I listen to before sending me and I'm like yes you are wonderful I will tell you all the yeah. things and Megan I don't know if you get this because I know you interview a lot of bands and everything but do you ever find you're just getting interview requests from bands that you probably wouldn't say would flow with all of the other bands that you have very obviously interviewed like all you have to do is go to your modern vinyl page and you can sort of see the types of interviews you do and what types of bands you interview I do like I do focus on different genres because I listen to a multitude of genres and I love a lot of things. So getting to interview people from various genres is so much fun. But then when I start getting requests for, say, cabaret singers or, again, metalcore bands, which I have a soft spot in my heart for metalcore because my high school roots will not let me forget it. <laughs> but it's, it's so weird. It's like, really? You'd think I'd be interested by this? Do you think the readers would be interested? It's so easy just to do the research. It takes like, it's, I would rather, so there's sometimes where, you know, I remember I used to like think, oh my God, I have to hit a hundred places every day this week in order to, to really get this off the ground. And I would like relentlessly pitch places. And it got to the point where I was like, I wasn't getting really a lot of results for the time I was putting into it. 
And then I realized it was just like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even, I'm not even spending five minutes looking into this person before I hit them up. And so I like, I learned that early on. And now that's kind of my role is like, some days I pitch two people, you know what I mean? Like sometimes, some days I don't pitch any because I'm just researching and I'm really making sure that the person I'm reaching out to first is like somebody I think would actually like what I'm sending them. And make sure that I'm sending them something of value, like a story idea or a song or something that I think they're going to give a shit about. And then I take my time to make sure that like the way I'm presenting it all is pretty genuine and it's educated and informed. So that way I'm not wasting anyone's time on the other end either. Um, but it's funny because it's like that seems like even when I first start, it seems like that's what's taught. Like, <laughs> like just reach out to as many people as you can and get it featured as many places as you can. And it's just not really like done with a lot of intelligence. It's kind of funny. Yeah, and something I was sort of unsure about when I first started doing things for the site and everything was I would email the publicist back and let them know that I posted it. I was like, I don't know if this is like bothering them or if it's helpful to them because before I moved songs and videos over to strictly the social media accounts, you know, I would send you back the link and everything because I was of the opinion that, you know, hey, there's probably some intern that has to go grab press clippings for people or something, especially at publicity firms. I know that's something they tend to do. So why don't I just send them the link and they don't have to do, you know, that extra work because, you know, I just hit post on this. I have the link right there. It's not that much extra work for me. Yeah, no, it's very, you do that and it's very nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, Megan, do you have anything else you would like to ask Jamie before we wrap this up? Nope. I'm all set over here, but I would like to thank you for being such an awesome person. Yes, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you for having me and for talking to me. It was very nice. Yeah, of course. And is there anything you want to plug, whether it's a up- upcoming release on the label or anything like that? Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, we have a Warriors album coming out at the end of September, and we do have a new Iron Sheik album coming very, very soon. This is my second public mention of it so congratulations (laughs) i'm like keep me pretty tight lips but it's definitely i can i can confidently say you will hear it before the year is over awesome i can definitely tell you this will be out before september so that works out perfectly (laughs) so like megan said thank you so much for coming on this was a really great conversation and i think our listeners will really enjoy it and we're definitely trying some new things with the podcast now so this is sort of going to be part of the start of that and hopefully we can you know keep bringing more awesome conversations like this to everyone awesome well thanks for having me again you guys Of course. And as always, to our listeners, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.